Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Delegate Your Reporting, Part 1 of 2. Before we go on, just a quick mention, wanted to make sure that you knew that we were coming to Los Angeles on April 14th for the Effective Manager Conference, and we're going to be in Newark, New Jersey on April 20th for the Effective Manager Conference, and an Effective Communications Conference on April 21st. So if you're interested in learning about the cutting edge of management at the Effective Manager Conference or learning how to communicate more effectively, I hope you'll join us for either the Effective Manager Conference or the Effective Communications Conference or both. More details are on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, here we go with today's show. What is it with you? Are you going to drag us through another cast about delegation? Have we talked about <laughs> delegation already? <laughs> I'm not a drag. Look, if you feel like you're being dragged, go do something else fun. I mean, please. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't get dragged kicking and screaming into the modern world. Well, <laughs> um, you know, you're right. We, we do come back to things uh, because management is boring and repetitive and it, and it works like a charm, right? Not everything has to be sexy and cute. And, and um, you know, too many people who do management stuff, management theory, management thinkers, management ideas that get printed and so on, uh, they want to talk about the overall management of companies or the theory of management or the ideas behind management. Very few of us in this business trying to help managers grow and develop. And I'm not even sure everybody who writes a book are trying necessarily to help managers grow and develop sometimes, but it may only just be us. Very few people want to talk about the behaviors of management, what managers do day to day, how we behave, what we engage in. It matters, right? It matters if for no other reason than so many of us want to do better and we don't know how, right? Yeah. And delegation is one of those undiscussed hows of management, right? People yeah. talk about, yeah, you got to delegate, but nobody really talks about how to do it. Now, wouldn't you say that there's there's a, at least a thousand times a day all over the world, there's some manager saying or some executive, some manager or manager to some lower level manager saying, well, you got to delegate that. Yeah, exactly. Without any clue about what they would do to delegate it other than just say, okay, this is yours now, right? Yeah. And they don't even give it a second thought, right? Yeah. They, yeah. No idea. We've talked about delegation before, but in this cast, we're going to talk about delegation in the context of something very, very specific reporting, right? And so we're we're necessarily then going to be able to get into a little bit more detail of the how. And yeah, maybe delegation doesn't only apply to reporting. There's tons of other things you can delegate. But this is something that a lot of us do. We do it often. And it's something we don't have to do, right? Our our reports can do it and do it as well or better than us. And right. if you can delegate this, then you can delegate anything. And and sometimes yeah. it's just a matter of picking something, going with it, getting some experience, getting some success, and then moving on to more complex stuff. And we're going to talk about why reporting is is relatively low risk. Um, as a, so, so a good place to start. Yeah. I love the fact that we're going to be able to get into specifics in a very specific context. Yeah. Our idea is rather than just saying delegating is good, let's give an example, a specific thing that people can delegate. We know this works. We've done it. We've seen it work. And most managers think they wouldn't delegate reporting because of the, the reporting is sort of how you're seen 
or it is a part of a report card, sort of a dynamic report card. And yet the preparing and delivering of reports is not a complex activity, right? And so managers mistakenly believe there's high visibility or it's high risk when in fact reporting is a great thing to delegate. And look, and look what we know is effective executives over delegate, right? They're, they're seen as over delegating by a lot of people around them. Guys, that guy only works on three or four things. Yes. And he hits home runs with those three or four things, which are the three most important things he's going to do. And that's why right. he's going to be promoted, right? And the other side of the coin is too many managers don't delegate at all. They don't delegate nearly enough. Yeah, they're afraid of failure, right? <laughs> that's the yeah, problem. exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a big part of it, right? Uh, gosh, I I'm doing it now, and I'll just work harder, right? I'll, I'll just work harder because I'm afraid if I give it to my directs, they won't do it as well as me right away. And I, we respect that, and we'll talk about that. But the question they many of them have, if they're okay with the idea of I've got to get some stuff on my plate, is okay. What do I delegate, and and how do I do it? And so when it comes to here's the what and the why and the how in detail that you know, hopefully people think of us, turn to us for. So we've got three parts, or actually four parts of the cast, really. Um, why to delegate reporting. We're going to talk about managerial economics and developing and broadening and exposing your directs. And, and, and we'll also talk directly about, we believe this is relatively low risk stuff. We're also going to talk about how to prep for the delegation of reporting. You know, you've got to inventory reports. You've got to segregate it into thirds. We recommend that. You delegate the bottom third first in terms of the lower risk stuff. And, and we go back to our old recommendation about how choosing what to delegate. You choose based on the direct on what they're good at and, and what they need for their development and what they desire in terms of their own development as well. And then we're going to talk about the actual conversation itself. We're going to walk you through every step in the delegation conversation, a little refresher for those of you who, who have been with us for, you know, five years since we started this. And then last, we're going to talk about following up. It's actually the process of, okay, what do you do week to week? Reporting, if, if Mike was going to delegate something to me, a report to me, he doesn't just say, okay, now you're in charge of it. What he does is he says, okay, you're in charge of it. And here's what we're going to do each week or each month as this report happens so that the transition happens effectively and smoothly. And it's a robust one. When, when, when he's done giving it to me, I've got it. And he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Good. So let's talk about why to delegate reporting. And and we know, you know, frankly, that many of you want to get right to the action, but we got to talk about why. And this should be a very short conversation about the why, because it's really simple, because we just don't want to do it, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, pretty much it. Um, yeah, we want to make the case first. I know so many people that you get, get right to it, but, but um, we feel like we have to sell this a little bit. We wish we didn't, but we do. It's good we're going to do that, though, because I think folks – Really? I mean, the okay, so I was jokingly said, we want to delegate because we don't want to do it. Yeah, sure. It's less work for us. Okay. And if we can get past the whole risk thing, right, somebody might do it wrong, then we're okay with it. But there are a lot of other reasons to delegate. The benefits to the organization are much greater than just simply the benefits to you in terms of less work. The direct grows, the organization grows, a lot of good things happen. And I think if folks really understood in detail the whys, which we're going to cover here in a second, they're going to get excited about delegation, right? They're, yeah. they're going to see the real value of it. It's beyond that which most people think of. Yes. And we'll also talk about why reporting ought to be the thing you're delegating if you're wondering what it is to delegate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So first, I mentioned it actually, Managerial Economics 101. You know, this is really a goad for all delegation, right? I mean, it's basically 
the, it is the core pr- principle behind delegation a- as an idea. Um, but it also is a good reminder. It's a good reminder to go over it relative to delegating reporting as well. Managerial Economics 101, which if you're if you looked it up on the web, it, it probably points you back to manager tools. We invented it. Um, we didn't invent the principle. We we named it <laughs> Managerial Economics 101. What it says is no task that can be performed by a direct should be performed by a manager. Okay. The logic of that is pretty much irrefutable. Why pay more for something you can get for less, right? Managers get paid more than directs usually. And so a manager doing a task a direct can do is spending salary dollars of the company unwisely, right? And time is limited, right? The moment I spend an hour doing it, it's the, it's the cost of my hour and in, in terms of dollars, salary dollars, and also of my loss of ability to do things. Yeah, there's right, opportunity right? cost as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Managerial Economics 101 also relates to overall people costs, not just salaries, because having more people being able to do more things, all of the things being equal, is by definition a better state of affairs for many organization. In, in other words, if I delegate to you, if you work for me, God forbid, right – God forbid for you, right? If you work for me and I delegate to you and you learn how to do it, now both of us can do it. That is a more robust organization. Now, some people would say, no, 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 wait, we don't want everybody able to do everything. Well, obviously, that's an overstatement. That's often in debating that's called a false opposite. We're not going to tell you that everybody should be able to do everything, but directs should be able to do a lot more than they do now. And when we find there are legitimate exceptions, it is the key factor in the determination about how much a direct or a peer or anybody else should do of somebody else's job in terms of overlap of jobs. The issue is really the cost of the transfer of skills. If it's very expensive for me to teach you what it is I do, then that's not a good thing. Thing is, when it comes to delegation, the cost is marginally zero, right? I mean, you and I spend a couple of weeks or a month or two in transition where you're taking over my reporting and then you're doing it and I'm not doing it and you're doing it as well as me and I'm no longer doing it at all. All the time you're spending is time I have free. So um, managerial economics 101 basically says you can't not delegate. It'd be impossible to go through life. Feel good about yourself as a manager and executive and developer of your organization without delegating if you knew about ME 101. Yeah, exactly. You talk to folks all the time about developing their directs and what they think about. They think of it in terms of training, right? I'm going to send folks to training once a quarter, and this is what's going to cost me, and these are the courses they need to go to. But that's that's not how directs are developed in the large, right? They're developed by having them yeah. do more, having them do new things. And you can either make it up or, in fact, you could delegate some of the work you're doing that they don't know how to do right now. And in the course of doing it, they'll learn how to do it. That's how you develop your directs. Yeah, it's funny. I was reading a book recently, and there was a little aside about about language, and it says whenever you think about the word utilize, just use the word use, please. It's it's shorter, it's simpler, right? And there are all these fancy ways to talk about how you know there, you can read books about developing and growing and in, improving your organization, and it, it's literally as simple as as you said, giving them things to do, and they learn how to do those things by actually doing those things. Yeah, I love it. That's my, my Heidi just absolutely loves it, which is. I get to think about developing my folks by just giving them more work to do. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Look, look, you know, people, I mean, I remember very clearly there's a book called um, 1L about the first year at Harvard Law School. It's very similar to another book 
about business school called Snapshots from Hell by a guy named Peter Robinson. It's about his first year at Stanford Business School, not law school, but business school. And in 1L, there was a professor. The, the, uh, by the way, 1L was written by uh, the, the lawyer who wrote the firm. I'm forgetting his name. Guy from the South. I can picture him. John Grisham. Uh, I think it was John Grisham that yep. wrote 1L. Hmm. It's his first year at, at Harvard Law School. And and Grisham writes about it, one of his professors, a guy named Perini, who was an extremely difficult professor. And he, there's a whole chapter, I think, about Perini and how hard it was to, to – but at the end, how much they knew – about his particular course, that they really felt like they had mastered it because of how hard he was on him. And the last thing I remember writing, reading, and I may have this a little bit wrong, it's been 20 years since I wrote, read 1L, but he said about Perini, we love the bastard. And they knew he was very hard. He's very direct. And they loved him because they got what they wanted and more. And, and, and we, you know, we, we've talked before about the drama in the, the news media about really bad and dangerous bosses who were rude and mean and abusive. And we're not talking about those people. I mean, good people, high, high performers want to work for a demanding boss, right? They want bosses to say, do this, do this, do this. Cause usually those demanding bosses also can tolerate a little bit of failure. And they know that you're growing faster than anybody else. And by the same token, if good people want to work for demanding bosses, then you want to be a demanding boss because that means good people work for you and that will make your job easier. No doubt about it. Yeah. So your high D and my high D both are appealed to by working for a boss that really demands a lot of us. And you can't demand by making up new stuff. We don't recommend you make up stuff to teach your people things. Don't make stuff up. That's hard. You have to spend time making it up. Just give them the stuff you already have. And delegating reporting has additional benefit, right? Because now they're learning how to report to higher levels than they're yes. reporting right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Look, if they're doing a report for me, if you're, if you're doing a report for me, if I'm your boss, that's one thing, right? You and I know each other and so on. But if you're doing my reporting, right? If you're not reporting to me, but you're doing my report to a higher level, you're having to report you know, to my peers or to my boss. And, and you know it as well as I do. Every level you go up. In an organization, the higher you get up, the political winds blow a little bit stronger every time, right? Directs who prepare and are responsible for reporting for their boss are doing part of their boss's job, right? Oh, that's And that's a critical part there because I'm sure we talked about it before, but if you want to get one of your folks promoted, they've got to be not only able to do their job, but they've got to be able to do about 50% of your job as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And guess what? Reporting reporting would be one of those things. Yeah, exactly. It's part of that 50%, right? If they're going to have to do reporting like you do when they get promoted and they can do it now, it's a great way to prepare them for that promotion. And people will see them doing your work. They're your peers and your boss will see them doing your work. And look, and if they're not going to get promoted – for all of those of you who mistakenly say, uh, you know, you defend your lack of development of your directs by saying, well, not everybody can get promoted. This skill development that we're talking about, even if they don't use it when they get promoted because they never will working for you, which is a whole separate podcast, by the way, it still builds organizational strength by ensuring your reporting doesn't always require you to do it. If there's a big report happening while you're on vacation and nobody else knows how to do the report but you, you're the one that's going to be doing it on vacation. And there's no joy in that. There's no there's no badge of courage for having to work to do a report. Not the actual work, mind you, just the report because you're on vacation and you haven't helped somebody else in your organization learn how to do it. Yeah, well, the benefits go beyond that. It's not simply being able to do the reporting when you're not there. Directs who report on others' work learn a great deal more about how their work fits in 
with the work of others across the organization, yeah. right? They learn what others do, about the problems are associated with it. Yes, yes. Who's involved? I mean, all that happens as a result of this delegation. And so this is really also about broadening your directs. Yeah, look, everybody knows when you have to do a report, it's never as simple as just compiling stuff from other people, right? People are late every week. Different people are late every week or every month. There are changes in the metrics, which affect the ability to report on historical trends. And then we got to talk about how we're going to adjust and show that, right? Other organizations change things that affect either the data that we're using or the process or the template, right? Or even the timing of the reporting, right? You work with all those issues. It's going to, if your directs do that, it's going to make your directs better at working across the organization at creating relationships, working within your team, right? Recognizing that other people do different things than them and they could not do it. And so they better know at least how to report on it really well. And they have to integrate their work with other people on a report, right? And they're going to be more sensitive to what's going on in the organization. They're going to be aware of the complexity that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis that because they've never been exposed to it, they're not aware. And yeah, so, okay. So, you know, a little side benefit. You get a direct who understands better what you're going through. And maybe, maybe, I can't guarantee it, maybe they'll be a little bit more forgiving on some, yeah. some things. Now, look, now, we also know this. If I delegate to one of my directs and he is now putting together a report with a couple of his, that includes a couple of his peers' work, so other directs of mine, some people who maybe are not as professionally or emotionally mature as we want them to be are going to use their power of reporting, if you will, I'm doing this for the boss, right? Because they're reporting on their peers' work to complain about their peers or to make comments about their peers or to undermine their peers. And our answer to that, by the way, is look, you just you just say, hey, look, don't worry about that. And hey, by the way, for those of you who, are, who know it, it's like, hey, can I give some feedback? When you're preparing the report and you think that that's an opportunity to tell me about other people not doing their work well, it sends a message of maybe you're not a team player. Yeah. Right. And, and, and maybe the next time, what might you do differently? And hint, hint, it might be offer to help them. Right. That's part of why I delegated to you. So that, that can happen, but it's not. That happens maybe 10% of the time or 20% of the time. And you just have to deal with that as it comes. That's not a reason not to delegate. Yeah. One additional thing that I've found very useful is, uh, and I've been, I've been successful largely because I've had just fantastic people working for me. Yeah. And one of my challenges has always been, yeah, he said, one of my challenges has been getting these folks in front of my boss or in, in front of my peers, right? They And, you know, eh, peers have something to do with promotions, but reporting is one of those opportunities where I can get my, my reports exposed to my peers. Yeah. Look, if, if your directs have to provide reports to your peers, they may have to answer questions about the data. They may have to provide, you know, talk about the implications of the report or the reporting, right? Now, look, sometimes your peers won't like this, right? They, they, they want to talk to you or they think, well, why is this suddenly now beneath you? And of course, it's not. That, that, that's a big negative. People say, well, it's beneath me if I delegate it. It's not beneath you. Um, hey, if they don't like it, that's that's their problem, frankly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like saying, oh, oh, well, the CEO is at the top and the VP of sales is beneath the CEO. Oh, come on, right? Let's not, let's not overdo this, right? So yeah, it, it's pretty much your peer's fault and we try not to let that be a hindrance to us. When directs, when our directs are exposed to peers, our peers learn about them, right? And folks, peers who know more about our good directs are going to be much more likely to support them for promotions. And hopefully you did know that your peers play a role in your directs getting promoted. 
right? I mean, there's always questions about that, right? You would hope folks would Yeah, you know, yeah. And if they don't, you do now, right? And, you heard and like, it here first. <laughs> yeah. When our direct has an exchange with one of our peers, it helps our direct see issues that they wouldn't normally get exposed to, right? They're going to have to handle questions they don't know the answer to, probably from, and certainly from somebody who outranks them. That's not you. And that makes a difference. There's not the strong relationship there. That's a good lesson for them. And now those of you out there, you know, we, we know, we know you're there saying, no, no, I will you know, I don't want that. And they might fail. They might mess up. And, and then, then it's reflecting me, but I didn't do it. And it's reflecting me badly to my peer. And the fact is your directs are going to have to face up to failing in front of others, in front of bosses. And it probably won't be fatal. In fact, we're sure it won't be fatal. They're going to have to learn how to do it. The sooner, the better. And particularly on something that you're very, very knowledgeable about because you've already been doing the reporting. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think, you know, some folks would fear that reporting is one of those areas. It's it's how I communicate externally, both laterally and vertically uh, about my organization and what, it's, and what it's doing. And there is some risk associated with reporting, yeah, particularly if it's done with somebody who's who's new to the uh, to the role and doesn't right. do it quite as well as I do. And some folks really look at their reporting as the way they manage their perception of the outside organization. So yeah. we think it's relatively low risk. Some folks think it's high risk. So help, help our audience with that. Yeah. Okay. So look, it, it is low risk. Your directs are going to have to learn this stuff, right? It's the sooner the better for how to report, how to handle questions, how to deal with timeliness, quality, format, all that sort of stuff. They're going to have to get used to dealing with ambiguity and conflict. Now, you might say, well, okay, but, but I'd rather not choose this. Far better for them to do it when they're working for us on stuff we know well, right? Well, you've been doing your reporting up until now. Yeah, and on which we, we can, <laughs> yeah, right. And on which we can give them guidance, the sooner the better. Look, it, it's low risk because we know the work, we know the results, we know the actors, and we can step in at any time without having been involved in the detail of the reporting, but it won't take but it's about five seconds to, to figure out exactly where they are in the process or whatever. We can step in with full authority to change, to adjust, to support, prepare, and they have sort of a quiet little air cover going on behind them that doesn't take us any time to actually do it, but if they need us, we can get involved. Okay, but even that said... The most important reason that delegating reporting is low risk is because it's reporting on the work, not the work itself, right? We're not talking about delegating your work. We're talking about delegating reporting. And look, read read your job description. There's a mention in there in, in half, maybe three quarters of all job descriptions about reporting on the work, but 90 plus percent of it is not about reporting. And the other half, there are reports, other half of the job descriptions in the world, there are reporting requirements. They're just not listed because they're considered secondary or a given or everybody has to report and it's part of being part of a large organization, right? Delegating work, actual responsibilities, and your boss doesn't say to you, if you screw up the work, but the reports are perfect, you're fine, right? right they don't. Right. They say, look, if the work is perfect, but the reporting's messed up, well, I'll get on you about the reporting, but I want the work to be perfect, right? So delegating the work itself is by definition higher risk because reporting on something, right, is almost always less complicated and more standardized because it goes out to a lot of people than the work itself. Reporting itself doesn't actually add value to the company, 
right? It's the work that you're doing, whatever work you're doing, building widgets or shipping food or building consumer electronics or whatever. It's the work that adds value. By delegating reporting, they can learn more about others' work and their own without actually having to do it. You get more time to do more value-added work and you don't have to cut into the delegate. You don't have to delegate the, the really key responsibilities um, that you feel like only you can do and do noticeably better. And if you do this first, you're delegating something that's not your core work responsibilities and you'll get good at delegating. And then when you start delegating your work as opposed to your reporting, you'll be good at the delegation part. Right, and so it will. It will only be one moving part: the work and teaching them the knowledge necessary to do the work, rather than you learning report, you learning delegating while you're delegating your work, as opposed to delegating reports. Good point. 